0: war, and peace. The Fury Theory starts right now.
1: The Fury Theory podcast brought to you by EFB
0: advocacy. Reacting to Iranian aggression, the president authorizes the assassination of a top Iranian general, meets with his war cabinet to discuss next steps, and then addresses the nation, telling the American people that we are ready to stand down. It makes your head spin. Adam, are we at war or peace? John, I
1: think we're at war right now. It might be war of a slightly different flavor, but it's war.
2: John Eason, are we at war or peace? I think we're at, we've, we've headed toward peace. I do. Yeah. You
0: think we've stood down?
2: We've stood down. They both stood down. Uh,
0: John Eason, thinking about the killing of Kwasim Soleimani. Is that how easy for you to say? It's not that easy to say. <laughs> Was this a good idea or a bad idea for Donald Trump and for the American people?
2: Well, I think that that given that Soleimani had been systematically methodically escalating violence against us, uh, Donald Trump took bold action and likely reestablished a deterrence with the with the Iranian government that that was sorely needed
0: So Adam Belmar, one of my uh, favorite television shows on Showtime. Homeland (laughs) had a character just like this Soleimani character. You know, he looked good, he was a handsome guy, he's kind of the hero that brings it all all together. But this guy was actually a natural born killer in real life. He is trying to, he was trying, been trying to kill Americans. That was his job for like 25 years. Yeah,
1: like I think if you were in the know, you knew who this guy was, but the vast majority of Americans, myself included, really didn't know who he was. And you're right, he did look like a television terrorist. He was suited to the part. Um, and the president whacked him. He, sh- he popped up in Baghdad, which was an ill-considered, you know, judgment for a bad guy summit, and he got schwacked.
0: He got schwacked. Uh, John Eason, you know, one of the things about this, this guy is he has been all over the region. He's like the the, the guy who gave out the money, came up with the plans, he uh, under, uh, helped uh, underwrite Hezbollah. Um, he's been kind of under underwhelming, undermining uh, the Lebanese government, the Syrian government. Um, he's been a real uh, thorn in our sides for quite a long time, and yet neither the Bush administration nor the Obama administration. They had their shots at him, but they decided not to take him. Why is that?
2: Yeah, and who knows whether or not the um, his, the escalation of Soleimani's activities was growing uh, in, under Trump more than it had under Obama and Bush. We we just don't know. But I mean, you listen to what uh, the very impressive CIA director Gina Haspel had to say. There are reports coming out that how she advised Trump was based on obviously her intelligence was that that taking this action would be. Um, Far have far greater American uh, successes than if we were to just to let him go and then see what happened. I mean, I think that based on what they saw, he was planning against American interests and, and likely American personnel. I think they saved a lot of lives. So
0: Adam Belmar, the media predictably has said that, you know, this is terrible. I mean, I, my, my own opinion here is I don't think that Donald Trump got up in the morning and said, I'm going to kill this guy, Kwasam Soleimani, because I, I, that's all I think about is I want to kill this guy. This was put out on a variety, big menu of things to, to take care of. And he, t- he chose this idea because he wanted to be aggressive. He was tired of being the guy that was getting punched in the nose by the Iranians. Um, and the media thinks that, that Donald Trump uh, dreamed this whole thing up and is kind of the mastermind in killing uh, Soleimani and getting us in World War III. You know, is the media hurting itself in this whole process? I think that's
1: all the media tries to do these days is hurt itself. Mm -hmm. It's almost as though they're actively working in some concerted way to undermine themselves. Um, You can leave that to the president, and he'll do a fine job of undermining himself. But in this case, I really do believe that the media is breathlessly hoping for the next big story, even as they complain about the wag the dog theories and it's unfortunate for the american people and anyone who's seeking truth you only had to watch the ballistic missile attack on nowhere in iraq that yielded no casualties whatsoever it would appear to see what the media was looking for which was a never-ending day-in day-out coverage of of mayhem and uh uh, repercussions that they were so breathlessly predicting.
2: Well, and and on top of that, think about uh, the strike and how it was carried out. It it was aimed at him and his commander and it took him and his commander out. That was it. That was all. There were no there was no collateral damage, there was no collateral casualties to that. People of course long forget a lot of the mistakes that have been made and you know, who knows? Who who's to blame? But I think it was one of Obama's very first strikes in Yemen. It, it um, errantly hit a tribe. There were munitions there, but minor munitions there. And it killed 55 people. And there were like 21 kids There were part children that were part of that. And can you imagine if something if this would have been had a, a lot of collateral damage? I mean, we're talking about the media jumping on Trump now. Think if there would have been uh, a problem with this strike
0: you know now you think about i think it's an excellent point um and you think about how the media has covered this and you think that we were are going to get involved uh, in world war three but doesn't look like world war three is going to happen
1: well you know what uh the the internet is just awash with uh all kinds of erroneous facts and theories And even the Drudge Report has been spawning uh, hysteria about the draft and other things. So, you know, people are just off their rocker with uh, less than founded uh, ideas about what's going on. And when we start to bandy about things like World War III, which is no small assertion, uh, it scares the hell out of people. And it leaves uh, very little room for thoughtfulness. Uh, And you know what? Quite honestly, and I'd love to hear what you guys think. I don't know that members of Congress now back in Washington have done much to help tamp this down and put it back in some context.
0: You know, Johnny said uh, Adam raises a really good point, which is the congressional reaction has been a little bit varied and a little bit bipartisan. I mean, especially Mike Lee Mm -hmm. and uh, Rand Paul did not like the briefing they got. Mm -hmm. And I do think that there is – a bigger constitutional argument here mm-hmm. that needs to be made, and I hope it does get made. I'm not sure if this was this actually fits under the, the initial Iraq invasion, although the guy was in Iraq, so you can make that case that mm-hmm. it was part of the uh, overall fight that we have. But we don't actually have a war resolution uh, against Iran. If we're going to go to war against Iran, I think it behooves the Congress— to say something on that, whether mm-hmm. good or... And I think the the House is going to do something. Uh, you know, I think the problem for Congress is they get in the partisan moment and they don't actually think about the institutional issues at hand.
2: Um, there, there are some concerns that could legitimately be raised about this attack, right? Absolutely. And, and I don't know about this attack specifically because you don't want to... You don't want to necessarily raise the war powers debate necessarily right after a precision strike against one of our, you know, sworn terrorist enemies. Uh in Iraq, where we have a significant military presence and bases. So you have you have that. But I, I actually uh I give some credit to Mike Lee and, and Rand Paul. I think that um, some of these briefings can be less than impressive. And I mean, downright insulting. Uh, and this, of course, is that is a, a, a bipartisan problem. That is not just a Republican administration or a Democratic administration. But sometimes um, these members, they come out, you know, wholly unimpressed with what, with what they've just heard and and insulted by the way that they've been treated, almost condescended to. Now, so we, you, you we were a chief
1: in, of staff uh, in the United States Senate for many years. In fact, two separate senators. Was that your personal experience at times where your principal would come back and say that was underwhelming
2: sure and and sometimes you know they come back very impressed like that was very informative i needed that thorough uh and and it kind of depends on who's doing the briefing and and what they want to say and this sounded a little bit uh condescending to me like we'll we'll let you know and and we, we can't talk about that or maybe or you know i think that you got to be as forthright as possible. And, and and in this day and age, it's all about everybody's fears leaks. And I know this administration desperately fears leaks. And they figure once one member of Congress has the information, it's gone. It's all over the well, place especially,
0: especially if you're someone like Adam Schiff, who yep. they don't trust at all. That's right. Um, but to your point, I remember when we were engaged in the Iraq War uh, with the Bush administration in Congress, and I, I honestly don't think we did enough adequate oversight. And I know mm-hmm. that the Congress— was roundly despised by the administration, and I think the administration did a crappy job with Iraq, and I think that they um, really kind of didn't do enough planning. I th- think they put a lot of people there that were subpar. I think there was a lot of, and I think there's still a lot of uh, corruption going on, not only in Iraq but in Afghanistan, which has been exposed by by the Washington Post, which I uh, internal papers where the uh, Pentagon has been, you know, basically not been telling. The, Truth what? what's going in the Pentagon wasn't
1: telling the truth, yeah, right.
0: and I think that that's 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 the role that Congress needs to play. The problem is that when it gets too partisan, and then you know people the questions that are raised that are easily dismissed because of partisan issues. When it
2: gets too partisan, the guy was impeached, right? By the House, give me a break. I mean, this is there is no trust whatsoever between the administration and certainly the House majority, right. which is Democrats. And, you know, McConnell is right now has got his hands full with impeachment, an impending impeachment trial. So you've got so many distractions with this, uh, but there's no trust. And can you imagine, you know, uh, Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell over there sitting down with Donald Trump and, and having that conversation? I am going to do this tomorrow. I want to let you know. And he's got absolute trust in, in 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 that little circle there I, I just don't think that's reality right now
0: so I think there are legitimate concerns being raised by members on both sides of the aisle about this I think it's illegal I think it's still illegal to assassinate people uh, under uh, apper- uh,
1: apparently not
0: but or apparently, the, uh,
1: <laughs> you know but, what, uh, but, but uh, right. uh,
0: there was a time where we were saying you cannot cannot assassinate people we obviously assassinated this dude um, and he' probably deserved it because he was a enemy combatant in the worst sense of the word Um, but you know I do think that there are issues that have been raised continue to be raised uh, but the president you know did take decisive action Adam and I think the American people appreciate it am I right
1: well now you are turning to public opinion and to pure politics and I think that even as I've chastised the press here on the Fury Theory podcast for their breathlessness and their wanting of more to cover and all the assertions about lack of planning and lack of understanding of what the repercussions will be. We should also understand that the Trump campaign has been raising money since second number four, One, two, three, four seconds after the attack, they're raising money on it. The president's language in his address to the nation yesterday from the grand foyer of the White House was steeped in language that was about Trump, not about really America, but Trump versus Iran. And he asserted that the American people should be grateful. To whom? To him, I think, is the assertion. And so using this for political benefit is as natural to him as anything he does. And so what do the American people think? Well, I think they're trying to be persuaded a bit actively uh, right now. And and I think until we get a lot of polls, I don't know the answer to your question.
0: The American people do not want to get involved in another war, uh, but they don't. I think they like the strong, decisive action. I don't think they know who Soleimani is. I don't think uh, now they're starting to learn more about it. Uh, uh, John Easton, thinking about where the Democrats go on this, I mean, we have a primary coming up. Are the Democrats going to even opine on this or is this going to be something that people forget about in two weeks?
2: Well, you know, turning turning to the political, there is a little silver lining on the political front with this, which is that this military action has forced an important topic, an important debate within the in Democratic primary. This needs to happen because so far they've just been lob softballs on foreign policy, you know, and and, and they're largely allowed to, to run amok on the, on, the, on the whole world affairs stage, and, and Biden especially. And so right now, I think what you're referring to, we've got the Iowa caucuses coming in a few weeks, and what you're referring to, I think, is Biden. And I think that the spotlight is on Biden, almost completely on this thing. Why? is because, well, one, he voted for the war in Iraq. But not only that, but if you look at the Obama-Biden administration, I mean pretty aggressive with the use of drones i mean in in their administration uh with in somalia in yemen and um uh pakistan you know there were 500 drone strikes and then you had in in libya as they were pushing back against isis in one year alone 500 airstrikes so you know biden has to own both he's got to own the vote in iraq which he does not like and then he's got to own a very aggressive use of drones and airstrikes in the Middle East area, in that whole theater. He doesn't have—he I mean, can't run very far from that, but he's trying.
0: And you know, the other thing about Biden is, he, he notoriously, he was the guy who said we shouldn't take out Osama bin Laden. He thought it was too risky. So you have him saying, we gotta we got to go in Iraq. Uh, We've got to use these drones, but we can't go after uh, Osama bin Laden. Uh, Adam Belmar— For Pete Buttigieg, who served in the military, this is a a potential strong talking point. Uh, You know, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are always going to be peaceniks because that's their general uh, persuasion. Uh, Who else? How do you think this? How do you handicap this within the Democratic primary? Because I think John is absolutely right. Biden, the spotlight is going to be on Joe Biden.
1: I don't think that this topic is going to be of great note right now within the democratic uh, uh presidential campaign as, as we can move into iowa and to new hampshire i think that uh they're going to stick to their guns and the policies that the they've The guns been or, their, or their drones <laughs> I, it was a poor choice of words <laughs> on my part no doubt but i think the they're gonna, they're going to go to the political war with uh the the bag of uh messages they've been using already and not not jump to the president's new new uh, shiny object
0: but we do have a uh, john easton as you pointed out we have a a debate coming up in the next week or two next two weeks and that question we hope will be asked by someone on the on the debate stage i think it's cnn this time around isn't it um these questions need to be asked don't they?
2: well and they will there's just no doubt about it i mean right now if you think about it and anybody watching the the news national news knows that this strike has pushed everything you know, to the sidelines, including impeachment, which is starting to claw back into the into the spotlight again. But this, you know, foreign policy, typically with a a presidential campaign, is a lot of times issue number one or number two. I mean, right there, About because I mean, you're applying to be a commander commander in chief of the U.S. forces. I mean, it, it is the most important responsibility of a president. So of course, these these questions need to be asked. They will be asked because this is such a really a, a very decisive military action that was taken they need to comment on it and i i would imagine all of them are are obviously going to be taking an anti-trump position
0: exit question will this strike to kill soleimani make it more possible for the americans to leave iraq or less possible adam belmont more absolutely more what do you think Johnny? i think
2: i think Less uh, because I think it's going to refocus the need for some presence of forces to be uh, in and around Iraq.
0: I think it makes it more likely that the the, the Americans will leave Iraq in in greater numbers, Um, but we'll find out. Uh, John Easton, what are you buying or selling today?
2: Um, I'm going to sell something um, that always irks me, and so if I've uh, brought this up before, forgive me, uh, because I may have... Uh, our first snow came in Washington D.C. and um, and, uh, and it may be a little uh, what you may, may not expect, but I I just it really really it's a pet peeve of mine how many people take to the to the the, the Twitter sphere or where, whatever their mode of. of outlet is and talk about how DC, you know, can't handle the snow and oh look at all these closures and all this traffic and everything. Because somebody comes from Chicago or somebody comes from Minneapolis or somebody comes from Buffalo. I, I don't care. We're not in Buffalo. We don't have that the kind of infrastructure. We don't have all those snow trucks. We've got eight million people trying to buzz around this area. I mean give it a break. All right. You know, we don't handle snow well. We're not built to handle snow well, so just deal with it. So no snow job for you. Uh, Adam Belmar, what are you buying or selling today?
1: I, I think the last couple of days has brought back into the forefront of my mind, absent holidays, uh, how important the sacrifice that men and women who wear the American uniform in service and their families are to all of us when they're in harm's way, whether it's acutely or just every single day and detached from uh, their own families, we should stop and think about what kind of a sacrifice they make. I, I'm buying the American military and their family
0: okay nice wow. well, big, big one uh, i'm gonna buy big sky montana i went there on vacation with my uh, wife and children uh, i almost killed myself on a ski slope so i would say that if you're a skier that's just really beginning or not a very good skier don't go on hangman's trail because it almost hung me up um, but i'm survived i've lived to tell the tale and i'm big sky montana and bozeman montana that place is unbelievable so go visit it's a beautiful place all year round. Um, bye 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 big sky and with that i want to thank you for our first uh, coming tuning into our first fury theory podcast brought to you by efb advocacy efb advocacy is
1: good for business <laughs> <laughs>